I'm glad you're here. Um, <clears throat> you know, I've been I've been thinking about something which is, I I, I read something which which kind of put the whole world into perspective for me, um, at least for a <laughs> a nanosecond, and 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 that's this whole um, dynamic between um, Yaakov and and Esav. So so we know that they're they're. They're both sort of in the womb. Rivka is, is having them both at the, at the same time. They're twins. And spiritually speaking, they're kind of opposites. Yaakov is, is the father of the Jewish people. Yaakov is given the name Israel. So that's where the name Israel comes from. So, so, you, have, so you have the whole nation of Israel in the womb there. And then you have its sort of spiritual counterbalance. Um, Asaph, right, who, uh, who arrives in the world and, and he's covered with hair like a man. He's a baby, but he's covered in hair like a man, like a grown man. And by the way, that's kind of why we're so mad at Esav, because Esav comes from this word asui, which means made, which, which suggests that you can, you can ever arrive. You can, you sort of, you're born and there I am, I'm fully arrived, I'm fully developed. So that's sort of the opposite of the Jewish sort of like view of the world, which is that, no, 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 life is this ongoing process of further revelations and, and revelations and evolving toward perfection. So the idea that I've made it, here I am, this is me, everything like that, we're, we're not so into that. So, so you have Yaakov, right? Jacob, who's in the womb, who represents ever-evolving new heights of spirituality and attainment, and Esav, which is like, no, 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 here I am, take it or leave it, right? So that's the... That's the, that's the fight. That's the fight. And of course, we have that side within ourselves which just wants to go, okay, I worked hard enough. This is what it is. Done. So that's, that's kind of like this spiritual inertia in the world that's sort of pulling us down individually all the time. Anyway, there's this big conflict between the two of them, which is who is the firstborn? Right, and and this is something that's had had like historical implications, you know, in terms of like the treatment of the Jewish people by 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 other nations and things like that. Like, like who who is first? So <clears throat> so it seems like you can look at it one of two ways. And now we're kind of getting to the point I wanted to make. It's sort of like two ways of viewing the world. You ready? So. One way of understanding it is the first one out of the womb is the firstborn. Just kind of what you think. It's just, that's, that's what it is. First one out, that's it. Wins. Okay. So that would mean Asif is the firstborn. Okay, but then you can look at it a different way. And you can go, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, he's the first one out of the womb. Absolutely. No, no question about it. But really, the model is an orange. All right, you have an orange, the outside, which is the first, that's just the exterior. The essence, what an orange is all about, is what's in the middle. That's, that's, that's why you get an orange. That's why people love oranges. So now you have to understand, and, and that would be Yaakov, right? So it's sort of like the peel comes out first, and then the fruit comes out. All right, well, these are... Two very opposite ways of viewing the of viewing the world, right? One is right, one is wrong. 
So now the question is, what kind of eyes am I viewing the world with? You see, these are like they, it's one or the other. It's one or the other. So, but it tells you that you could see something with your eyes, which is first born, first one out, and everything like that, and yet that's actually not the headline. That the headline is still coming. So it's a very that's a very challenging it's a very challenging idea because it means that my senses are not actually telling me what is the headline and what is the simple story of the world around me that there's that there's more going on and that I have to learn that and that I can't depend on myself and my own sensory perceptions to to give me the immediate truth because if I'm investing all of my money in the peel, then I've missed the boat. I've missed the fruit. But how do I know that the second one out is the fruit? Oh, I got to be taught that. Oh, well, then that, okay. This is a very, this, this is, it's a big idea right now. It's a very big idea because I'm not just talking about this. I'm talking about all of life right now. I'm talking about all of life. Um, so, so I'll give you another example, probably a far worse example. <laughs> so at the risk of, of exactly confusing the point, which I hope I've just made clearly, I'm going to say it anyway. Imagine, imagine someone comes into a room, right? And, and then all of a sudden they turn on the lights, all their friends jump out and say, Surprise! And then there's a cake. And the person says, I, this is unbelievable. I can't even believe it. Because guess what, guys? It's my birthday. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, it, this is a surprise party for you. And he's like, no, 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 no. Because if I was going to have a birthday party, someone would have told me. So this is like this, just like this miraculous coincidence. <laughs> and they're like, no, 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 no. We hid it from you. It's been going on the entire time. We've been preparing it around you, but we just didn't tell you. So, so again, which is true? Obviously, it was being prepared, and it was being planned, and it was going on, even though the person didn't know it. Which means that there are, there's a level of truth going on in the world which is not reliant on us knowing it for it still to be true. In other words, something can be massively, utterly true and I don't know it and that's no contradiction to it being utterly true. I just don't know it, just no one told me. Or I never bothered to learn it. So what I'm, what I'm suggesting is that actually is what's going on right now. There is a truth going on around us like with full intention. And then the question is whether we're going to figure it out or not. Okay. So...
You know, I asked, I asked this question a, a, a little while ago another way. So here's another way of approaching this. Do you think that you can see everything that exists with your eyes? Right? Because part of us feels as though I should. If it's important and it's relevant, then I should be able to see it. Right? And yet, we know that nothing could be further from the truth. That there are massively important things that are, that are hidden from the eye. Right? If you just think on the microscopic level, on the bacterial level, right? Like, like you don't see malaria. Malaria is not like a six-foot-tall man <laughs> who's like coming towards you with a chain, and you're like, get in the car! It's malaria! <laughs> right? What happens is, like, someone just gets malaria, and they're like, ah! can't believe I got malaria. So, <laughs> and yet, and yet, our brains, but here's, here's the thing, here's the thing. Our brains are hardwired to think the wrong way. <laughs> that's, that's really what it is. That's really what it is. We have to, in, in a sense, rewire our brains to be able to accept what is actually the most basic truth of reality and of our lives. So, so that's challenging. It's hard to rewire your brain, you know? Because you have to actually kind of have to really work on it on a regular basis. Like, for instance, imagine there's a, a flowing, rushing river. And you want to change the direction of this flowing, rushing river. You want to make it, instead of going straight, like northwest, you want it, or northwest, <laughs> instead of north-south, you want to turn it so it's going east-west. But it's a rushing river. So you go, okay, I know how to do it. So you take a pool cue and you stick it into the river, and you think, okay, that's going to divert the river. It's going to take more than a pool stick, right? You're going to have to actually build something and construct something to reroute the river. So this is the same way it is with our thoughts. Our thoughts are like a rushing river. They're rushing with force. See, a lot of times we don't appreciate how much work it takes to reformulate the way we think. We think that thoughts are sort of like these wispy entities, right? Like floating dandelion kind of like, you know, configurations that you can just sort of like give a gentle blow and they completely change directions. But thoughts are like, thoughts, are, thoughts work out. Thoughts are like, like muscular ripped dudes, you know? Like they're not going anywhere just because you push them. They're like, they're, they're standing their ground. So... So they, it takes an enormous amount of work to think this way. So what is that act of work? How do, you, how do you do it? Well, you can do it a lot of different ways. But probably the key way of, of, of acknowledging the fact that there is way more going on than, than, than what we see is through Humility. Right? So, so humility is something that is, is it's, it's, it's absolutely an essential trait for anyone who really wants to advance in the world. 
And let me just just run through some some misconceptions about humility and, and especially the, the Jewish point of view of humility, okay? You see, what we want to do is we want to disconnect the idea of humility and low self-esteem. <laughs> A lot of people think low self-esteem is humility. Low self-esteem is garbage. <laughs> we, that's not humility. In other words, someone who... Um, so, so let's put it this way. True humility in the Torah context is understanding that you have a piece of God in yourself, that you are great, and then from the standpoint of actually understanding your greatness, then saying, but compared to God, I'm nothing. Right? So unless a person truly appreciates their own greatness, they haven't even arrived at eligibility for humility. Right? Because otherwise, all we're talking about is low self-esteem. That's, that's a very important thing. So if you want to be humble, first build yourself up. First build yourself up. Understand that you're absolutely essential. And you are essential. That's, that's the crazy thing. That's the crazy thing. God has made this, this massive web of history and humanity, and nothing is extra. <clears throat> we know in a Torah scroll that every Jew is a letter in the Torah, and if one letter is missing, the entire, the entire Torah scroll is no good. So that, that Torah scroll represents, you know, the fabric of reality. It's also the march of history. So it's, it's, it's the totality of everything. So you're one of those pieces. If you're missing from it, the whole thing doesn't work, which means God actually needed you in order to complete his grand vision. So that, that, that's something to actually like really think about and appreciate because it's true. It's not just sort of like a platitude. Like, you're needed! Yay! No, actually, it can't be done without you. <laughs> that's the crazy thing. And you want to hear something even crazier? You will accomplish it whether you want to or not. <laughs> On a number of different levels. Because we have this concept of reincarnation where we keep on coming back. Where God says, okay, try again. All right, man, you know what? One more time. <laughs> you know what? You got closer that time. Let's do it again. <laughs> no, one, no one gets out without finishing their job. Now, there's another level to it, too, and I heard this from Rabbi Aaron, and I thought it was so brilliant the way he put it. He said, everyone has a truth that they have to deliver to the world, right? So he gives the example of um, a, 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 a man, a father, who's um, working like very, very long hours. He's not spending much time with, I guess, his wife or his kids or whatever it is. And so the, the, um, in the way he told it, his wife says to him, look, you've got like, to spend more time with the family. Otherwise, you know, this marriage isn't happening. So, okay, he hears what she says. And then he gets this enormous business opportunity that's going to take him away from the family. And... Now listen to how interesting this is. In, in the way I remember Rabbi Aaron saying it, if he turns this business opportunity down, right, then, like, people are going to find out about it. And they're going to go, do you see how important family is? 
this person had this opportunity and he turned it around, turned it down because he didn't want to be away from his family from that for that long. So this truth that he was supposed to communicate to the world, the importance of family, really gets across. But let's say he says, oh, the temptation is too great. I can't turn this down. It's too great of an opportunity. And he goes and he takes the business opportunity, leaves his family for a while, the wife divorces him, and then do you know what people say? People say, you know what? Look how important family is. (laughs) The guy just wasn't around, so she just had to toss him. So, So either way, that truth that he was supposed to communicate into the world gets communicated into the world. You see, that's God in his infinity has orchestrated reality like that. Where, where it, like I say, each one of us is absolutely essential and each one of us will communicate that truth one way or the other. So that's, that's really interesting. So now you say, okay, well, I want to communi- communicate my truth and I want to communicate my truth hopefully in the most positive way, right? So that's, that's of course, what everybody wants. And, and that's, that's, that's um, and, and it's very hard to do that because just the way God designed the world, he puts a lot of challenges in our way. So I'll tell you what the Kutzker Rebbe says. We're going to, we do a few Torahs from the Kutzker Rebbe now. He says that the way God orchestrated the world, the way he designed it on purpose is he gives us a test and if we pass that test, we get a bigger test. Now, that to me is, that's an extraordinary insight. You talk about, you know, like the fact that there's a truth that we live in, whether we're aware of it or not, and even if we're not aware of it, that doesn't lessen the truth that we're in. This is an enormous lesson about the world that we live in, that if we pass a test, we get a bigger test. Because God is always looking to increase our productivity, to increase what we're communi- to, you know, accomplishing in the world and bringing the world closer to perfection. The reason why that, that um, is so stunning to me is because I, I was raised like you know, in this sort of coddled way that I think m- most of us in you know, the Western world and you know, this period of history are raised which is you pass a test and you get a party. <laughs> you don't get a bigger test. <laughs> you pass a test, go over here. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and we're raised that way. So this is like this is like a like a very cold, you know, like a cold wake-up call to what's going on. Now what now listen to what he says because it's actually just brilliant and compassionate at the same time. If you fail that test, that first test, you know what you get? A smaller test. And if you fail that, you get a smaller test. And if you pass that, you get a bigger test. And if you pass that, you get a bigger test. And and it goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. So that you understand that, that all of life is this ongoing sort of ongoing um, Series of tests, basically, right? Okay.
But I want to go deeper. I want to go deeper in this idea. So again, this is from the Kutzke Rebbe, and he brings something from the Psalms, which I think this is like, in terms of a motivational tool, for me, this really spoke to me. So this is in Psalm 89, verse uh, 10. So it sounds kind of simple, but then you realize just how much depth is, is in, in every line of Torah. Okay, here's what it says. You rule the raging of the sea. When the waves rise up, you praise them. That's it. Let me say it one more time. You rule the raging of the sea. When the waves rise up, you praise them. Okay, so what's the, what's the big teaching in this? The big teaching is God made the world in such a way. Okay, there, there, there are exceptions, um, which unfortunately lead to tragedies like tsunamis and things like that, unfortunately. But for the most part, for the most part, the way it is is that God has made a border for the sea. You have the sea and then you have dry land. And that's kind of the way it is. And waves crash against the, the beach, but they don't really come on to dry land. Of course, again, there are tidal waves and there are exceptions, but for the most part, this, this is far and away the way, the way the world is, okay? So if that's the case, you could ask yourself a question. Why do waves bother? <laughs> Here you see all over the world, 24-7, for thousands or ten thousands or perhaps billions of years, right? Waves have been crashing against the land, trying seemingly to conquer dry land, and they, they, they don't succeed. So you say, hey, get it together, man. Go into rehab. You know what I mean? Like, you got a wave problem is what you got. You know, it's a, maybe it's like an anger thing. You got to get in touch with your, like, water balance because it's not cool, right? Like, you could try to, you know, psychoanalyze the waves. But let's revisit this line, okay? And now you'll listen with new ears, okay? You rule the raging of the sea when the waves rise up. You ready? You praise them. God praises them. Did you hear that now? Do you hear, you hear what it's saying right now? The way the Kutzke Rebbe is explaining it? That here is a task which seems impossible, and yet the waves never give up, and they're praised for never giving up. They continue to crash. They continue to do their thing, and that's the right thing to do, despite the fact that they haven't seen a, a visible result. So now let's go deeper. Think of a goal that you've been working on in your life that you haven't been able to accomplish. Okay? Yet. That you haven't yet been able to accomplish. Who are you at this point? Right? And I'm talking to myself right now. Who are you at this point? So I'll tell you who I am at this point. I am this unaccomplishable goal. In other words... I've tried so many times to accomplish this goal and I haven't been able to do it. At a certain point, where is my, what am I identifying with in terms of my own notion of self? I am now, 
identifying with the unaccomplishableness of the goal. Right? So, so the Katskarebi is saying otherwise. He's saying, no, 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 no. That's, that's not what it is. You know who you are? You are the wave that keeps on crashing against the, the sea, and you are praised for being that wave. In other words, I'm saying something very subtle right now. I just want to make sure that we're communicating. That with long-term goals, right? With long-term goals, if you haven't accomplished them yet, it's easy to just equate you and the, and the lack of attainment of the goal as a one-to-one correspondence, and then you go, this is just a dead end. But what we're trying to do is to sort of like rejigger your mind, rejigger your notion of self, and put yourself back in line with this crashing wave that never stops and is praised for it. Because that's the nature of the world. Now, I just want to make a PS to this because I want to make sure that we're communicating. When the Kutzker Rebbe is talking about this, right? <clears throat> He's talking about the most important spiritual goals. He's really talking about spiritual goals. When it comes to matters of this world, if you want to be, I don't know, if you want to be like an Olympian in the 100 meter dash, and you're like, I haven't made the Olympics yet, and I'm 47, (laughs) but gosh darn it, I'm a wave (laughs) that will continue to crash. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about, I'm talking about the, the spiritual things that we need to do in this world in order to rectify our souls. What I'm saying also applies to the material world and to our goals as well. But you have to be in touch with people and you have to get periodic reality checks from people whether to make sure that you aren't that 47-year-old Olympian because at a certain point, then that becomes counterproductive. At a certain point, these aren't um, motivational truths. They're invitations to delusion. Right? And, and we, have to, we have to be responsible in terms of spreading that message as well, I think. In other words, hope is essential, but we can't mislead people as well. Right? So, so what we're talking about right now is the most essential aspects of fixing the entire world. Right? These are the things that we can't give up on. We can't give up on getting ourselves right. We just, we can't give up, we can't give up on it. Okay. Now I want to tell you something that came to me yesterday during the davening, and it was sort of like a, like a wow, like where did that come from? That was like a big thought. Okay? So, so we did Parsha's Kedoshim um, yesterday in Shabbos. Kedoshim is this incredible thing, very, very much in keeping with what we were talking about here. Kedoshim means holiness. And there's this great, this great verse in the Torah that God says something unimaginable. He says, 
I'm holy, and I want you to be holy, because I'm holy. And then everyone asks the same question, how can I be holy like God? Right? God is God. So, so the simple answer is God puts a piece of himself in you, so you're already starting off like God, actually. And now you just have to con- finish refining your, 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 your meetups, your personality traits. And remember, meetups, personality traits, very important. Meetups, see, when I say personality traits, that's already sounding very abstract, like, like anger, happiness, jealousy. Ah, it's so abstract. Meetups actually means measurements, right? So, so in other words, you're good. Everyone's good. But take a measure. How did I react in that situation? Did I need a little bit more? Did I need a little bit less? Okay? And that's how you actually work on your meetups, on your personality. You know what? A little more of that. A little less of that. And that's how you do it. So it doesn't have to be this very abstract, you know, exercise. It can be very real and concrete, and it should be, right? Like, I heard something beautiful. Um, uh, this is an idea in Shalom Bias, right? Like peace, like, a, like having a divine presence in your home, right? Like Shalom Bias would be translated as peace in the home. So Reb Shlomo said, most people think Shalom Bias is, I'm not yelling at you, and you're not yelling at me. He says, no, that's a ceasefire. That's not, that's not Shalom Bias. Shalom Bias is there's actually, there's this, the Shekhinah is actually in the home. So there's this, this like very sort of tangible like sense of like an elevated atmosphere in the home itself. And so in this elevated atmosphere, you want to treat each other in the most beautiful way. So here's an idea in Shalom Bias, a very practical idea that I think is beautiful. Try to do this. Um, which is when you come home, you actually should, like, I'm, I'm a man, so I'm talking from the man's point of view right now. You come home, and you should, don't just yell hello into the void of the house. <laughs> hello! Actually, say hello to your wife, like face to face, right? Like, that's an important moment. That's an important moment. And, you know, these things like, you know, like, like Rabbi Kiva talked about that the turning point in his life, why did he start learning Torah at, at 40? And by the way, in the Talmud, it says that Moshe Rabbeinu asked God, why didn't you give the Torah to Rabbi Akiva? So if you want to know how great Rabbi Akiva is, that's that you don't have to hear more than that. OK, so Rabbi Akiva starts learning Torah when he's 40 years old. So why? What, what turned him? And he, this, these are Rabbi Kiva's words. He said there was this stone and there was like this water dripping on the rock. And, and I saw that the water dripped all the way through the rock. Like this like very soft little thing like actually penetrated through the rock. And he says, if my heart is like a rock and the Torah is compared to water, Surely the Torah can penetrate my heart. Right? Now, I heard something from Rabbi Kron. I think he said in the name of the Vilna Gon, what the diuk, which means the Torah learning, the Torah insight, was from Rabbi Akiva, which isn't obvious when you hear the story in the very beginning. So listen to this. 
What was his diuk? Not that the water could penetrate the rock and make a hole through the rock eventually. Here's what it was. It was that here I'm watching water drip against the rock and I don't see any difference in the rock. And yet, now I know, even though I don't see any visible thing being transacted, anything being accomplished through the regular effort, nonetheless, now I know that every single one of those things was actually incredibly helpful and incredibly productive, even if I didn't see it in the moment with my eyes. That's the lesson that he learned. So what I'm trying to say is is that little moments like this, you walk into the house, you say hello face to face, the hello can come with a hug, whatever it is, you decide. But, But these little things, these are like the drippings of the water on the rock. You don't necessarily see anything maybe change in the moment in the relationship. But these are the things that transform relationships. Okay. So, so again, we're talking about relentlessness is what we're talking about. Talking about relentlessness. And the the constant identification with the roaring wave as opposed to the sand that cuts you off. Now, there's a phrase in English that I think is really awesome, which ultimately this thought is leading to. So let's, let's get to that, okay? Which is, the journey is the destination. What does that mean? The journey is the destination. That means that the constant travel... Like, you're not actually, by and large, doing it to get anywhere. That is not the ultimate goal, even though you do want to go somewhere, and you do want to get somewhere. But it's the effort along the way, the traveling along the way, that actually is where you're supposed to be. And so if you're constantly identifying with the journey, as opposed to the goal, you won't give up because you'll realize that you're actually accomplishing in the moment itself. In other words, are you the rock or are you the dripping water? (laughs) If I'm the rock, I'm waiting a really long time. A really long time. I gave up a long time ago if I'm the rock. Right? But if I'm the dripping water, then it just never stops. Right? Then I'm active and I'm... I'm at it, right? So, I just maybe, maybe just want to just switch to. Oh, so I, I was telling you, Parshas Kedoshim. I'm sorry, then we'll get to this other idea. So, so Kodesh, this word holy, Kodesh, right? If you Okay, we're going we're gonna to play with the letters in a moment and, and find something very, very surprising, okay? But before we get to this surprising idea, I have to just introduce it. And it involves one of my favorite Gomorrahs. I, I love this Gomorrah, so it's, it's something cool is coming up. But first, let's make sure we, we know what we're talking about. Do you know the difference between the letter Dalid and the letter Resh? So look, here's a Dalid. It's got a straight line on top. 
and then a line perpendicular below, but it makes a little corner. That line on the top goes a little bit further, so there's a corner. The letter resh just has, it's like a hook, like a cane. It doesn't have that corner on top, okay? So that corner is like a very small difference. Now listen to this Gomorrah. I, I, I don't know um, which sage this was, whose name this is in, so I apologize. It's in the Talmud, and it goes like this. This sage was also a sofer. He wrote like Sefer Torahs, like Torah scrolls. And he says, do you know what my worst fear is? Okay, so, okay, this, that's interesting, right? We've got like one of the great sages of the Talmud about to tell us his worst fear in life. What's it going to be? Okay. He says that I'm going to write the letter Dalit, like in the word Echad, which means one, right? And by the way, um, you know, that's the culmination of the, like, the one, you know, central line of Torah. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. That everyone should know that God is one. And, and it ends with this word Echad, and the letter Dalit is, is oversized in the Torah. Right? It's just like it culminates with this big Dalit, right? He says, my biggest fear is I'm going to write the letter Dalit of Echad, right? And while the ink is still wet, a fly is going to land on the corner of the Dalit and lift up the ink and fly away and turn it into a Resh. So that it's going to turn the word Echad, which means the oneness of God, you know, to acher, which means something other. Right? In other words, it's going to turn the entire idea of Judaism upside down. By the way, you should know, in Torah, you know, encoded language, a fly represents the Yetzirah, evil. And do you know why? Because a fly has a lot of eyes. Isn't interesting? Because eyes are sort of like the gateway to problems. <laughs> And if you have a lot of eyes, a lot of invitations, you know, like your email box is like, it's always full. So anyway, got to watch your eyes. So anyway, the bottom line is, is that you see the difference between echad and acher. It's that little dot, a dalit and a resh. It's that one little dot. Okay. Now, with that in mind, now we've done our homework. Now we can return to this thought. Kodesh, which means holy. It's like, it's a great word. Like God says, I'm holy. I want you to be holy. Do you know it's just one dot? If you take those same letters, right? If that, if that, if that, if that Dalid of Kodesh were a resh and you moved around the letters, same letters, it would spell the word Sheker falsehood or lies. You see, one dot is the difference between lies and holiness. One, one may be a just in perception. One dot, one little few degree different way of looking at the world is the difference between perhaps making yourself the final authority? First one out of the womb, that's the first. Little turn, and it's like, oh, no, no, that's just the peel for the fruit. (laughs) One little turn. 
turns lies, right, into hope. And you know what? God puts us in this world and he says, okay, I'm putting you in this world and now I hope you turned. I hope you I hope you complete the process. Because I didn't complete the process. That's why you're here, actually. Okay, so back to the Kutzka Rebbe. It says... In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So it just says, in the beginning, God created. God only created the beginning. (laughs) That's why you're here, to finish the rest. (laughs) You're that, in the beginning, God created. Kutzka Rebbe says, you know what that means? In the beginning, God created? God only created the beginning. (laughs) That's why you're here. Then he made you to be partners with him to finish up the rest. Amazing? That's an amazing thing. See, because we're so used to thinking that if I'm here, then this is what it is, and I have to be a realist, a rationalist, and now I'm being extra smart by saying that if I don't see it with my own eyes, then it's not really there. So we can go full-blown in the other direction. But that's kind of, that's the drama of this world. That's the drama of history. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'll tell you something amazing. You want to hear something amazing? Bless you. There are ten utterances that God created the world with. Okay? And there are also ten commandments. And the ten utterances of creation each correlate with one of the ten commandments. Do you know what correlates with God saying, let us create man in the ten commandments? You ready for this? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Do not bear false testimony. <laughs> that incredible? That's incredible. That's incredible. In other words, God says, okay, I'm putting you here not because it's obvious. I'm putting you here with this awesome invitation to figure it out. All right, now I want to say something else about Yaakov and Esav and start to wrap it up a little bit. <clears throat> There's something that I found out this year I didn't know. You know, we've got like a lot of Jewish holidays. By the way, there's an old joke, which is that Hitler, uh, his name should be erased, goes to a fortune teller and says, what day am I going to die? And the fortune teller says, you're going to die on a Jewish holiday. And Hitler says, which Jewish holiday? And the fortune teller says, any day you die will be a Jewish holiday. <laughs> so, anyway, you probably, you'd probably want to know. You probably want to know, or, I mean, it never really occurred to me, but now if I ask the question, I definitely want to know the answer to this. What day were the Germans defeated in World War II? Like, like I would think that that would just sort of be something that that everyone would know, that I would know. Like, that's an important date, wouldn't you say? Well, I don't know what date it is on the, on, the, on the Jewish calendar, but I do know what date it is on the English calendar. It's May 9th. May 9th is, is also known, in the, at the time that it happened, was known as VE Day, Victory in Europe Day. That's May 9th. 
Now, listen to this. On the Hebrew calendar, sometimes, May 9th, I guess that was, what, 1945, 1945. Israel was established in 1948. Sometimes, like this year, it happened. May 9th happens on the Jewish day, Hey Er, the fifth day of the month of Er. That's the month we're in right now. Do you know what Hey Er is? The establishment of the state of Israel. Happens on the same day. Happens on the same day. The defeat of the Germans and the establishment of this, the state of Israel. That's amazing. And when I thought about that a little more deeply, let's go back to the image that we started with. Yaakov holding on to the heel of Esav. So there's many explanations of what that means, but one of the explanations is as soon as Esav, which stands for many things, including Germany, as soon as the reign of Esav ends, Yaakov is holding on right away. It's going to go straight into Yaakov. So this idea that, I understand there is a, a, a little time difference between the two, but in the expanse of history, it's kind of a blink of an eye. The idea that the defeat of the Nazis and the Germans comes immediately, like on the heels of that, literally, I think that's where that expression comes from, by the way, on the heels of that directly comes the establishment of the state of Israel. You see like the Torah being played out right in front of our eyes in the most amazing way. So, so let's just review. We need to, to really hammer it into our brains that what is going on in the world is deeper than what I see with my eyes that you can have the firstborn or that's just the appeal to the fruit. And that that's basically all of life right there. That's all of life right there. And that God looks to us to bring about this transformation in reality, this great day that's coming, where the truth is openly apparent to absolutely everyone. And the way that we get to that great truth is by being that raging wave which is praised as opposed to just saying, look, how many times have I tried and I always end at the beach? And so you know what? I am now identifying with the beach and not with the wave anymore. But to never take our eyes off of the fact that we are that wave that can't stop raging and that we're praised for that. And that the journey is the destination. That this work, this dripping of the rock, that this is us, this is our lives. And that we have to thoroughly embrace it and enjoy it and encourage each other on this epic journey.